Hello. Hi, Nat. <laughs> Hi, Rob. Welcome. Thank you. Here we are in like a living room in the sky. <laughs> Thank you for saying yes and making time to speak with me today. Where are you? My pleasure. Where are you in the world? I am in Marietta, Georgia. How about you? Fantastic. Ojai, California. Ojai, California. How is the weather there? Sunny and beautiful. Love it. It's rainy here, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Fantastic. Here we are. Yes. So uh, before we dive in, I'd love to give you a little bit of lore about the podcast. Oh, nice. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, four years ago in 2020, I participated in a 90-minute Something to Say Zoom call with you. Um, and I'm delighted that our paths have crossed again. I've been revisiting my notes from that encounter and wanted to thank you for shining a light on the fierceness within me that can transmute and alchemize pain into something generative. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because of that conversation, I decided to write and publish my first book and drop out of school, uh, which led me to the creation of this podcast and connect me with an old family friend that has since become a mentor of mine as I explore becoming a secular chaplain, a gerontologist for the LGBT community, and a death doula. So I think it's beautiful that I get to have you on the podcast today, and I wanted to express my delight in the profound influence you've had in my own creative endeavors. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I just gotta like soak that in for a minute. Wow. Wow, look at you. Thank you. Mm, amazing. So... You've talked about the fact that you've been many versions of Rob, and I've noticed in other podcast interviews, people will often ask you questions as if you were 11 Robs ago, uh, but you've <laughs> never been this version of Rob before. So instead of introducing you to my audience in the context of your previous roles, what is it like to be Rob right now? Oh, see, that's a great question. I wake up in the morning and I walk our dog. And there's a mountain behind our house. And I look up at the mountain. And sometimes there's clouds on the mountain. And sometimes I come back and have coffee. And I take my daughter to school. And she picks the music. Mm. She always knows exactly what song to start with when we get in the car. And it's just the best. <laughs> and then, yeah, generally there's uh, yeah, some writing or some painting or, the, or maybe a production meeting about one of my plays and or I talk to somebody like you and uh right now I'm looking at I wrote down some notes about maybe recording my own podcast and you know go surfing or yeah that's what it's like to be me I love it yeah it's, it's kind of simple and and thoroughly enjoyable what a treat <laughs> yeah it's like a way slower than it used to be. And there's way mm. more space and way more spaciousness and yeah, way more listening and then moving only like even when my body is like, yeah, mm, let's go do that. But not a lot of anxious activity just so it feels good to be moving. It's a different kind of moving in the world that's happened over the past few years for me. Yeah, that's, that's how I say what it's like to be me. <laughs> <laughs> Every year, um, instead of a New Year's resolution, I pick words and they normally just kind of come to me in like the August before the next year. And mm -hmm. I think it's really funny that you say that because my words for 2024 are embodied intentionality. Oh, there you go. Mm -hmm. And like, yep, 
I don't know. I, I've had issues before with dissociation, not staying in my body. And like, that's a big theme this year. So I love hearing your experience of that as well. Yeah. I've noticed how many people sense there's a turning of the age from mm. a world stuck in its head to uh, a, a world of people more and more and more in their bodies, which are so intelligent and mm. how much time we spend in the old world weighing the pros and cons of things and trying to think our way forward when when you're present to the center of your being there's generally a very elegant clarity like very clear yeses and nos yeah yeah so <laughs> <laughs> you wrote your first sci-fi novel about love loss and bread <laughs> Sci-fi often explores the intersection of technology and humanity. So what was it like to explore that as you wrote this book? You know, I haven't read, I read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Other than that, I don't, I haven't really read any sci-fi. So I didn't know, like one interviewer said, other than spaceships and everything happening on other planets, what in the world makes this book sci-fi? And I was like, don't ask me. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't say, I didn't say that. <laughs> That's so fair. That's so fair. Because you've talked about the fact that you're not professionally trained. You you haven't been taught in, like, the hero with a thousand faces, like, how to write a narrative from beginning to end. You just, it came to you, right? Oh, I just, and I love it. Really, really well-informed people on these things will say, like, oh, they'll be like, oh, and then there's the second act, and the <laughs> end of the second act, and I'll just, like, tell me. I'd love to know. <laughs> or there's the inciting incident. And I'll, like, what was that? What's what's that and what was it in the book? <laughs> You're like, I don't remember. It just kind of came out of me. <laughs> yeah, it's like right away, it's interesting the way that we name things so shapes the influ the, the energies of it. I remember right away as I'm writing it, but it just kept wanting to be a it was like this is a story mm. as opposed to like a book even though I was a book. And I was like, I wonder what that is. And it was, um, I just, inst it didn't like genre. That's never something that I've even, I don't even know enough to know. So even when I was like, what even is this? It was just like, it's a story. There's nothing else that you need to create the story than to just, it's a story. So what genre it is or what even form. And then when I read the audio book, I was like, oh, the audiobook is even another thing than the written yes. book. So all along, it just kept, it's almost like I just kept saying, don't hem me in. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> just let me be a story. It kind of leads into my next question, actually. Um, when I write, books often come to me in pieces and out of order. Was that your experience? I, I definitely had, well, even it started with this guy asking this guy, where'd you park your spaceship? <laughs> but then, well, well, where are they? Well, why are there spaceships? Well, what happened to earth? So even the book didn't begin in the beginning. The book began with something that happens in the middle of the book. And mm -hmm. then, and then I went sort of going back to, well, then where does the story start? Well, we're going to need a bunch of background as we make our way towards that moment. And, I did, like you're saying, you get, I'd get like a, oh, I bet later 
there's going to be a thing that happens. And then I would just go forward in the like pages document and just write like a note, like they go up the hill or whatever it was. They mm -hmm. meet in a woods <laughs> and just, I guess at some point I'll get to this scene. So yeah, like, uh, it's like moving forward and moving backward and all these bits and pieces and fragments arising that I just would trust. Yeah. I guess at some point we'll get to that. It's very mysterious how it all works actually. Yeah. And within that process, how did you know it was ready to publish? When I took 200 pages out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I distinctly remember all this. I sat with for months with it because it was 750 pages. Oh my gosh. And, and for months I was like, hmm, it's asking for something. Just be patient and listen to it. And then I had an, a couple experiences. And I was like, oh, got it. And I sat for three days straight just taking, it was like a whole bandwidth that was like asking to be removed. And as soon as I took the first chunk out, I was like, oh yeah, good. And so for two days straight, I just took out pieces of a particular almost like stripe or frequency maybe. And oh yeah, good. That's it. And it was a very clear, yeah, yeah, it's ready. And that was in March. And then it came out in August. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like it was, it's like interviewing it. Like, are you ready? And the book was, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It reminds Let's me of out, like, see what happens. ever since I read Big Magic, whenever I am interacting with creative energies, it's like its own entity. Yeah. You end up in a very sort of like a, like an intimate friendship. Mm. You're interviewing it. Who are you? How long are you? What even what medium are you? Almost like are you oil? Are you acrylic? Are you charcoal? Are you crayon? Are you spray paint? You know what I mean? <laughs> what how long are you? Big, tall, wide, thin? Like what what are you? Yeah, I yeah, I often have that sort of relationship with things. You've talked a lot about the ease of working on this project compared to previous books, but I wonder what was most challenging when communing with this project to trust and give myself permission that see the trap when you go around the world for 20 years, talking to people about the goodness of life and being in the flow and giving yourself permission is when all the things you've been talking to other people about you need, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. letting myself Rob Bell myself. <laughs> I would say that it's humbling, but it's far more devastating than that. It, it, mm. It's like a demolition of the egoic structure because I was in need of all of so many of the things that I readily can spot in others and hand out with relative ease. <laughs> like, mm. yeah, even the like, what is this? Is anybody ever even going to read this? Why is this moving you so much? Why are you on a Tuesday afternoon literally like tears in your eyes writing this scene? Why are you laughing out? Almost like you've been talking about creativity for doing workshops, literally doing whole tours and books about creativity. And now you're having an experience that gives you the feeling like you know nothing about creativity. Like you're just getting started. <laughs> yeah. So part of it was just, just like, constantly embracing the absurdity of 
all of that. Like just letting it be as weird and and the story came in with such life and force and emotion and detail. And and then I was like, wait, is this book I remember I distinctly remember thinking, Oh my God, this is book one. Because <laughs> I know what happened to happen in book two. And then like, well then obviously book four, be like, wait. <laughs> Am I delusional? Am I who? And, and even like the imposter thing, like who am I to do this? Yeah. And just having to like, just keep, I mean, I could literally do a, a workshop on imposter syndrome. So there's all these traps to being Rob Bell that I just kept noticing. Like, mm. yeah, you're experiencing the thing. <laughs> yeah. This is what everybody was talking to you about all those years. <laughs> and it was some sort of, like just taking me apart down to a very, it was a very tender, earnest innocence that was the only way to be present to it. And then just, okay, what happens next? Who do we meet? What's their name? What do they say? What does Heen Gruber say to them? How does he feel about that? What does she say? Um, bit by bit by bit yeah. yeah really like like a like a sort of life transforming experience it's like you think i think i'm in one of those moments that is sort of life changing and then later you're like yeah it really was one of those moments it almost feels like the difference between theory and praxis that you were mm -hmm. teaching theory yeah. and you yeah. finally got into your praxis it it, it, it it there was like a like a feeling of, like of sinking into myself from like mm. almost like the mind just dropping down into the center of my heart in some way that had been happening. It had been happening that year a little bit, like some sense like I was coming to the end of a whole like massive chapter of my life. Like, you know, so the book was sort of a, I, I could tell that I was telling the story, but there was also a world of healing and transformation that was happening in every area of my life, simply by being present to the story as I was typing it out day after day. Mm -hmm. Very mm. much so. Now, in the book, teachers play a significant role, and you've talked about a deep respect for the vitality, curiosity, and presence of village elders. Can you tell me more about your personal experience with this? You know, I was thinking about this the other day. At every... It's almost like at every step of the way when I needed like another way to understand something or I needed guidance or I needed another way to frame it, there was a voice. Mm. It was either like a person or a, a book or a film that was like, oh, that, that helped me make sense of the moment I was in. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I when I look back, it's like, uh, and then I, I became friends with this 81, 80 year old man last year, <laughs> and we started getting together once a week at this coffee place in between, our, like literally right directly between our two houses, mm. and like the friendship with him, I can't even believe what a gift at this particular moment in my life to be, to make this new friend and be like, can, can we get together and could I just ask you questions? And, and then 
the first time we got together, I was like, can we get together again? Because I have more questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I remember the first time I read Seen is Forgetting the Name of the Thing One Sees, which is this book mm. about the artist Robert Irwin and just uh, being like, ah, oh, this helped, like, it just helped me understand me so well. I remember the first time I saw a clip of uh, the OCs, this legendary punk band who still play, um, <laughs> and seeing this, this guy, John Dwyer, as a singer of OCs, and then like learning more about him and how he goes about what he does. And it just gave me, you know what I mean? Like another little piece. It's yeah. like you're just, it's like we just are endlessly duct taping together all these different bits and pieces that of gifts other people give us um, into who we are. Yeah, that's mm. what it's been like for a long time now. You, uh, again, I, I was like listening to a bunch of these interviews to try and just see what you've talked about. And I've noticed that sometimes um, when you're asked questions, you often reflect like disinterest in certain topics like optimism or fighting the good fight. So what captivates your interest these days? Wait, what did you say about how I asked, answered those questions? So I missed some, that part. Oh, sometimes when you're, so in, in other interviews that I've listened to about this book, um, someone will ask you something and often it kind of seems framed in like 11 Robs ago. <laughs> and, and you'll be like, oh, I, I'm not interested in that, in, including things like optimism or fighting the good oh. fight, uh, or some things that I, I noted that you were like, oh, I'm not interested. <laughs> and so I was like, hmm, I wonder what you are interested in these days. Uh, well, I, I imagine that things that it's funny when you reflect, it's not funny when someone quotes you and you're like, huh. Um, I imagine what I didn't find interesting, whatever the question was, was probably something about like it felt just trapped in the mind. Yeah. Like just another uh, concepts, Venn diagrams, thinking, I think, you think, we think, they think. Mm. Uh, I think I'm just, I think. Um, <laughs> It's like you talk to somebody and you ask them, well, people come here to Ojai and like we did it earlier this week, people come and sit with me under these trees for two days. I do it once a month and bring their questions. People bring their question. They sit across from me and ask the question and I ask them questions about their question. And what's so fascinating is how when we sit together and people, generally people have a question about their life. There's something angsty, something gnawing at us, something tugging on our sleeve. And we start asking people questions about whatever it is that they're asking about and they start talking about their life and they start making connections and they start noticing patterns and they sometimes there's grief sometimes there's anger sometimes there's like a like a vision of what to do next saying just below the surface that they never realized was actually quite clear uh, sometimes they're actually done with a chapter, with a season, with a job, with a relationship, with a place, and just sitting together and creating some space, I've watched lots of people go, oh my word, I'm done. Mm. There's a new thing that is asking for me to give myself. So I've just found 
my own life and doing this with lots of people over the past few years, it's just endlessly compelling. It's endlessly fascinating to see what's happening inside of us and what new creation is asking for us to give ourselves to it. Yeah, that's interesting. It seems like this yeah. common thread of like getting out of your head and into your body or into something yeah. deeper than the mode we yeah. all get stuck in. Yeah, even like what you said, like the fighting the good fight. <laughs> I just, that just sounds like a word salad to me. I have no it idea. It does. That, like, <laughs> so I generally, word, yeah, word salads. Any like just big sort of phrases that just sort of utterly meaning, what does that mean? Who are you? Who are you? Where are you? What's it like to be you? What does that mean to you? And when we get out of these sort of word salads and into what's actually happening in space and time in you, well, that's just the most interesting thing ever. Hmm. Yeah. It's so funny. Next question. Speaking of word salad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um so metaphor, riddle, joke, analogy, or parable, how do you believe these creative approaches um, open the side door to understanding? Well, think about the teacher who explains something to you. That's can be incredibly helpful. And if I'm trying to bake a cake or fix something on my car and there's a YouTube video where somebody teaches me how to do it. Fantastic. There was a goal. There was a desired outcome. And then I was given the steps and a better teacher. You're able to figure out what they're saying and do it yourself. And that's just a, a wonderful way in certain areas to, uh, that we need that. But then in other areas of life, it is all about us sitting with our own deepest selves and listening. And it's like learning to listen to our lives. And mm. so somebody who comes in is like, here's what you should do. Well, or even advice giving. Well, my advice is, but actually all of us are learning how to listen to our own knowing. So the, the gift we give each other is holding up a mirror to each other so that we can learn to listen to ourselves. And that's how we help each other, as opposed to me jumping over your sense of self and just telling you what to do. It's like part of growing up. Hmm. So I'd say that's probably when you get into the analogy metaphor coming in the side door. Yeah. Is, uh, and that's what's so, been so so enjoyable about talking about this new book with people like you is I don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't know. There's no point. You know what I mean? And yeah, yet, we kind of glean our own meaning, each one of us. I And I did all these books where I was like, this is my point. This is my second point. Here's an illustration. Here's an example. Here's what I meant by my first point. Here's another example of my second point. Here's what <laughs> I meant by my first and second point. It's like so clear, so straightforward, so coming in the front door. Mm -hmm. This is what this book is about. These are my points. And then I write this, what, a 545-page book about these planets <laughs> and people going on spaceships <laughs> and among these planets. And then interview after interview, it's a completely 
fabricated, made up world I've created. And yet interview after interview, people are like, want to talk about when their mom died and want to talk about cancer and want to talk about their own sense of hope and despair and joy and pain. And it gets super, super personal. And I'm like, how does a completely made up world somewhere else coming totally coming in the side door somehow connect us in this world here and now like instantly Hmm. that's just utterly fascinating to me like surrendering like where'd you park your spaceship is a is a and a a massive act of surrender of telling you what it means that would be and yet we can't help but talk about what it means to us (laughs) (laughs) i just think that is just the best it's so weird and just sort of yeah, yeah, it's just perfectly absurd. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I was going to say this book spans many universal topics like bread and different types of death, both literal and spiritual. And you've mentioned feeling closer since your father's passing. I was wondering, how do you navigate grief, loss, and sadness within yourself? Well, it's like... It's an experience that acts it's a full bodied experience that passes through like your very bones. So it's like comes in waves some days, I think two days ago out of nowhere, I was driving in the car with my daughter and I was like, I really miss my dad. And she's like, Oh, like, and we talked about it for a minute, but I hadn't thought of him and, I mean, I hadn't had a sense of missing him. I, I, he feels closer than ever. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there's a moment of like, you don't know when it's coming and you just feel it. Yeah. Just you allow, you give it the space that it's asking for. And uh, I just noticed how many people have all this ungrieved grief all stored in the body mm-hmm. and uh obviously in other cultures and times and places there were calendars and rhythms and rituals for the expression of grief and as a number of those institutions and structures have eroded we're still humans and we still need to mark all of this so i've just been noticing how many people like me it's like we're creating we're learning to create new rituals to mark all the things we've been through and the people we've lost and the disappointments and and the when you don't fight them or numb but you let yourself just feel them without judgment like on a random thursday like what's my problem today you're probably grieving something or i i used to you know my mind wanted to mentalize it what is this feeling why am i feeling this way am i why am i why is everything flat today why is it's like Life is like food that's lost its taste today. How come I have no mojo? How come I, and now I just, without judgment, well, I was probably grieving something, probably sad about something. Something's probably passing through me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and as opposed to like this endless judgment, just assuming it's the truth. This feels like this feels like. That's, I don't know what it's about. I might know 100 years from now. Who knows? Yeah, I... <laughs> I'm reminded of like 
my therapist and and the difference between intellectualizing feelings and this reminder I've been given often of, you know, not everything is a problem to be solved, including Absolutely. your feelings. Ah, <laughs> oh, so well said. Yeah. There's nothing. A friend of mine always sad. talks about. Go ahead. Right, a friend of mine's like, "There's nothing to noodle here. <laughs> There's no like, if I could just, if I could just get smart enough or watch another YouTube video on this, mm. I could like untie this knot. No, this isn't what this is. This is." Uh, even like depression, like the worst thing in depression is somebody giving you like, Hey, you have a bunch of reasons to, you have a great life. Worst thing. Get out of my face. I'm going to punch you in the face right now for saying that. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, like depression. I mean, obviously there are like physiological and chemical dimensions to it, but like the, the one thing about depression is you don't like, Oh, you're right. I did make a list of things I'm grateful for. And now it went, maybe, maybe it just, the cloud, the black dog just leaves. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's a general rule. You, yeah, this is something else. This is something else. And it doesn't work that way. Hmm. Struck by it feels like that's something, not just my generation, but I'm in my late twenties and like just the, the upcoming generations are learning that uh, of course I just lost my train of thought but anyways (laughs) oh well I would I would if I could finish your sentence oh go ahead so so much more emotionally intelligent Mm. you're like even you think about the rise of people talking about mental illness yep which I would say is a sign of extraordinary health like a whole generation is like I'm not well, good. Mm-hmm. If you're well in the sickness, the sicknesses that are the modern world, mm-hmm. that would be a problem. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. You don't, you're not fitting. Don't fit into this. Like even the inner capitalist who never knows when is enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even don't make a person crazy. And so don't, don't adjust. Don't, please don't fit in to this. You'll fit in better in the new world. There's a new world coming. You'll, it'll be, it's, <laughs> you don't fit into the old world. It had its moment. It's passing. Yeah, it definitely feels like we're in the middle of a really big renaissance right now. Oh my God, it's so huge. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't a question I had prepared, but tell me more about your feelings about that because it felt like there was a lot there. <laughs> well, I think about it like, uh, think about it like, the background, what do you call them? Frequencies. Like think about the, the world, like the world I grew up in, my parents grew up in. First off, it was very much in its head. Second, it loved accomplishment. Mm. It was very disconnected from the rhythms of the earth. It judged its success by what it produced. It was in some ways the culmination of the industrial revolution, which took time and turned it into units of production. Mm-hmm. So you think about the middle ages, uh, it's the great harvest season. Great. When will we be done? We'll be done when we're done harvesting the grapes. And then what will we do? Have a bunch of feast days. <laughs> and then what? Well, then probably the olives will be ready. So your life was like in tune with the rhythms of creation. And there was 
feasting and resting and there was working and harvesting and it all had larger rhythms that it was sort of sinking up to not that it was ideal but it's just and then you think about the industrial revolution and suddenly you have a like a 40 50 hour work week in which time is the you work x number of hours so time is broken down into units and then those hours get you so much money which gets you so much stuff a totally different relationship with creation mm. and with time and with production and with material goods and uh, I think of how many businesses learn that when people work from home, they're more productive. What? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> During the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you just realize that people are like, wait, if I'm grounded and centered and rested in four hours, I get 10 times more done than the old nine hours in an office with no natural sunlight in a cubicle. Yep. So you're just watching a whole new way to think about what it means to be human. Think about how many businesses are owned by investors and there's a CEO and the CEO's job is to make more money than last year. Why? Well, so that the investors will make more money than they did last year. Why? So that they'll have more money. Why? <laughs> yeah. And so we literally now have the data. There's a small group of people who have more money than ever and massive number of people are struggling with the basics. So this system doesn't work at some level. Mm. So yeah, you're right. There's like a massive reshuffling of, and so many people's bodies now are speaking out. Mm -hmm. Like the bodies are going shutting down and it's not because they're sick. It's because they're healthy. And they're like, this pace is insane. And what is it even for? Ooh. Yeah, it's like a massive rethink that just spills over into academics. Think about like when in high school, well, you're intelligent. You took this test, so you go to a good college. Yeah, but the test was like little ovals on a piece of paper <laughs> that you fill in with a pencil, and that's intelligence. <laughs> but then look out the window and tell me what kind of tree that is. I don't know. We don't even know what kind of trees are outside the window, but oh. so-and-so is really intelligent they filled in some little ovals <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah and then your friend who's out in the woods for four days is connected in some way that's like ancient and primal and yeah so uh yeah you're uh yeah you were you're into it so i think about it in terms of an old world and a new world and lots of people were wired for the new world mm-hmm there's this wonderful uh, woman named Jessa Reed who talks about wired for the new world. I love that. Some people, yeah, you don't fit because you're wired for the new world. Good. Good. I'm, we're very happy about that. Yeah. Along similar lines, um, <laughs> kind of diving back into the book a little <laughs> bit. Uh, after a lot of loss and rejection and change, Heen slowly rediscovers what it's like to build meaningful relationships. And similarly, um, I'm in the last years of my 20s and many global arrangements seem to shift when I was 24 because COVID started. And there seems to be more of a focus on global consciousness and community. I would love to know how your relationship with community has evolved from your 20s to now. Yeah, great question, because I think I had this ideal 
in my 20s of like you have your people like mm-hmm. a like a television commercial everybody's in the backyard you have your group everybody there's good food and it's like this sort of idealized you know you have like your tribe of people that you go through life with um us it's all of us we're in it together and over the years that sort of idealized thing i had in my head it didn't turn out to be like that it turned out to be much more like being present to all the people i interact with and finding all sorts of connections like all day long mm. like we go into the store and start talking to this person and then walk the dog and run into somebody and i think i used to think oh yeah you find your people you know what i mean yeah. like your gang yeah um but i'm much more aware that, that the whole yeah all of humanity who knows who you'll connect with on any given day mm. so mm-hmm. it's funny i was watching my uh, my daughter's 14 and the other day we were at the, i think we were at a grocery store and i ended up chopping it up with whoever was checking us out we were laughing and whatever and we're walking up the car and she's like i knew you're we were in line i knew you were going to get along with them <laughs> <laughs> and i was laughing so hard and she's like oh yeah it's funny she was like oh yeah oh yeah i could tell like oh yeah that lady and my dad they're gonna start talking after you a good time I said, oh that's so funny that her her perception of like us moving through the world is like almost like you're like on the stage of a play and you're meeting all these fascinating characters mm. <laughs> yeah it sounds like it was a transition from like us versus them to yes and it's like you're like this almost like you're endlessly trying to find some perfect setup that you'll then have like i got my group and we were like like a gang but then you just discover there's lots of people that you can find like commonality with mm. yeah and who, let it surprise you who knows who you're going to get into a conversation with and be like what a luminous human being (laughs) (laughs) i remember surfing a spot uh here in the ocean in southern california and there was a old a woman older than me out in the water and it was just the two of us it's this beautiful day and she made some comment about surfing that spot because it was kind of like a hidden spot you had to know about and i was like when did you first surf this spot and she said 1962 (laughs) and i remember just laughing like this woman was sitting here eight years before i was born catching this wave (laughs) (laughs) and we had like the most interesting just like you never know who's gonna say something and just blow your mind yeah i love that so I don't know about you, but my understanding of space and time can be really transient. And in the book, (laughs) there's a line when Heen experiences a spaceship for the first time and his sense of place dissolved. So I'm curious, how do you orient yourself right now? And what do you feel like guides that choice today? 
Right, because uh, like up until a year ago, we lived in in Los Angeles, in West Hollywood, like the middle of Los Angeles, and it feels like a, lots of people in Los Angeles are from somewhere else, mm -hmm. and I was touring a lot, so I would drive a half hour to the LAX airport and go somewhere in the world often, um, and we loved our life in LA, but now we live in Ojai, which is an hour and a half north of Los Angeles, and we're in this valley up against a mountain, and it's mm -hmm. this little town, and it's so interesting how this new life we've been living, it like has such a sense of thisness, like such a sense of time and place. Mm. And like I go down to this hill to this stucco hut where they have fresh organic sourdough loaves of bread up Wednesday through Sunday mornings. <laughs> and then I run into so-and-so when I'm out in the water. And then when I'm on my mountain bike, I stop and talk to this person. And there's uh, – so the answer to your question is just even in the past year, I have such a stronger sense of being in a place, an actual place. Yeah. And even like there's a news, this town has like a little newspaper. <laughs> and like when you're in the grocery store, you can see a copy of the newspaper and it'll be like headlines from the town council meeting. And there's a, <laughs> turns out a debate broke out about whatever, whatever. It's like, <laughs> like hubbub and, gossip and like uh conflict in the small town and mm -hmm. i actually find it all really really refreshing hmm. to be here in this place and and like my daughter taking my daughter to school each day is like this super grounding she's a freshman in high school remember being a freshman in high school and yeah <laughs> like keeps it really really particular like oh she has a soccer match okay are her cleats dry does she have like power bars? Is her uniform like Kristen and I, my wife, like it keeps us really, really grounded. Like, oh, she would like, she wants to talk about her English paper. All right, let's do it. Let's talk about your English paper. It's like a wonderful gift she gives me of this is what we're doing right now. Hmm. I love that. When was the last time you did something for the first time? When was the last time I did something for the first time? That <laughs> is a fantastic question. Let me think about that. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I went and spent time last year with a medicine man in the jungle. Ooh. And like full-on village elder hmm. from a tribe, from a lineage. What prompted and that? A deep sense that this person had something for me mm. that I would learn. Mm -hmm. And like a, a medicine man is like 
how would you say it? it there's like an animism in which everything is everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, it really was, yeah, it connected me to myself, to the earth, to other people. It just like, and he did, he was not giving lectures. It was just his presence was like, yeah, no, it was something. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'll probably later talk more about it. I'll figure out some way to explain it all. Right now, I'm still I'm still trying to sort through just what I experienced. But it, yeah, it yeah. was healing like it. But just to be spending time with somebody from an absolutely different, literally part of the world. But yeah, that was something. And I purposely cool. wanted to be stretched in my sense of what is time and space? What is, what is all this? What is this thing that we're doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like you seek opportunity to do that a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, that's all that. When you're like, what am I doing here? What is even happening? What is the, what? Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good times. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you find joy in the absurd. Can you talk to me more about that? That's the, uh, yeah, that's it. That, that is, like, you know, when people talk about, like, I'll tell you what I'm going to put on my, when I die, I want on my headstone, I want them to say, he, she gave it everything. Yeah, they always just say some sort of motivational. It's often yeah. like a motivational, like, ask not what, what you can do, like, or they, or something. <laughs> but I would, if I had to have a, I would like to probably, I'd like to be cremated and scattered in the ocean. But if I had to have, like, a saying. Yeah. Or like a thing, yeah. I would just be like, "Blessed is the one who's in on the joke." Oh, <laughs> like that's everything to me. Over the past few years, has been about n- no longer fighting, but embracing and enjoying the absurdity. That that's actually the way into this. Mm. It's the way into death, suffering, war. Is it's like every tradition, the, the whatever, enlightened, the whatever, Zen master, like the people who seem to, whatever language they used for it, yeah. they, 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 they weren't heavy. They weren't like, yeah, we're really screwed here. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you better work harder. They always had like a wink. They'd always found them they'd always tapped into the absurdity of this experience Hmm. that that's where the healing is that's that's where the relief is yeah 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 so i would yeah i and i i'm noticing more and more people having these experiences of the, like, what is this? What is this even real? What is, is this a video game? Is this, what is, what is happening? Like, yeah, the, that disorientation of um, this moment. Yeah. Good. Good. There you go. There you go. There we're on our way. <laughs> well, like going back to something you said earlier that really hit me, it was your body is breaking down, not because it's unhealthy, but because it's healthy. Yeah. And and that's absurd. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. It's speaking. Your body's yeah. like, this is ridiculous. I'm right. shutting down. So think about like the person who has a sick day and can't come to work. Everybody is like free pass. Like no one goes, hey, you should probably just bring that pneumonia to the office. No, you just, so you think about it at a level of like 
just the most basic, I'm sick, I can't come to work. Everybody goes, okay. But that's always read as unhealth. But it's actually the body going, we can't do this. So then what you're noticing now is people realizing, I'm at this party, but my body was like, can we just leave? Mm. Like I'm just noticing more and more people who the mind was like, this is good for my career. I'll meet a bunch of people. I want people to know that I'm the loyal servant, good soldier. I don't want to let my family down at Thanksgiving. The, the mind, but the body is like, what would it, what does the body actually feel like in those situations? Oh, it doesn't like them. Mm. So I've noticed how many people are like, are like, even what they say yes to is they're checking in with the body before they say yes. Because the mind can come up with all, even like, oh, I don't want to disappoint them. Okay, well, what's it like to go to, how, to their house for dinner? Yeah, I, I don't really enjoy it. Honestly, I don't really enjoy it. But I don't want them to, okay, well, the body knows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Body's very clear about this. That's so wild. So I live with my best friend and I was feeling nervous about this podcast. And do you know what she said to me right before we jumped on the call? Listen to your body. Your body knows. There you go. Oh, I love it. There you go. I definitely have one more question for you. But one thing I was like toying with and I think I'm going to do is do you have any questions for me? Yes. What do you do in the morning when you wake up? Oh, when I wake up. What do you have for breakfast? <laughs> it depends on if I'm working remote or if it's a weekend or if I'm going into the office. Um, what do I have for breakfast? Lately, I, I've been getting lunch or breakfast, <laughs> breakfast at work. Um, and we have like a little food area and I'll often get like Chick-fil-A or something like that or Dunkin'. But Wait. What office? What's your office? I work uh, at Georgia Tech. I am a writer for the um, School of Industrial Engineering. And what do you, so what do you write? <laughs> I, um, I, well, that's such a good question. <laughs> what do I write? I translate engineering concepts for the general public and I capture why certain research and events were important and try and like explain and like make it interesting and tell stories. So do you have a background in engineering? I do not. I Oh, so you're good at it because it has to be broken down to where you can understand it. Yes. I have always been really good at communications and writing. And I oh. have always had like a dual brain. You know, like some people are like, oh, I'm right brain, left brain, whatever. You're both. Um, I'm both. Yeah in a very strong way and so whenever they interviewed me they were like really impressed with my ability to break down difficult concepts into simple pieces how many people are in the office that you go to i have well so my team is a team of two me and my boss but then the office houses more people within the university um department so i don't know like 10 to 15 people and this is like a massive campus right yeah, it is. And what's the vibe? this vibe. Like, what's it like to be in the office during the day with these people? I like what's vibe. It feel like. <laughs> um, so I started this job in June of last year, and this is the first job that the vibe feels like home. Mm, um, interesting. 
I've always felt like the odd one out. I've always felt like someone who cares a lot more than everyone else around me. And I feel like this particular school um, is for people that like think hard about problems and solutions and are creative about what what we're going to be doing next. Hmm, that's really interesting. Huh. And then you some but then you don't have to go in. Some days you can work from home. Yeah, so I work three days in office and two days remotely. And then what happens on weekends? I try and rest. <laughs> this weekend yep. in particular, I'm traveling actually. That's something in twenty twenty four that I would like to prioritize more. It's something I've never really put on the top of my priorities list and I'm actually visiting Arizona for the Tucson gem show it's the biggest gem show in the world what is the attraction what's what's the thing with gems um it's one of the ways I ground myself I can not just be in my head but just be kind of very woo-woo all the time and so to come back to the present I find gemstones and geology really grounding it's awesome. <laughs> like holding the stones. Yes. Yeah. So you'll walk through all these displays mm -hmm. and that people will have all their wares out, correct? Mm -hmm. And you'll like mm -hmm. pick up stones and feel them and sense certain things. Yeah, it's funny. It's Today. something that I've had since I was little. I used to, it's funny because I'm going to Arizona to see my grandparents and this started when I used to hike and I was little and I would wear cargo shorts and by the end of a hike, they would be so heavy, they'd almost be falling off my body because they were full mm -hmm. of rocks. <laughs> mm -hmm. My goodness, you're a fascinating human being. Oh, thank you, Rob. What an interesting life. What a good life. Yeah. Lately, yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now, now I have a, I, I can pick, I, I have like a, I have like a, <laughs> Go ahead. an outline here. <laughs> A little more nap. Yeah. A little more sense of nap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's been really fun talking to you. And um, to wrap up this conversation, this podcast is all about curiosity. That answers are fine, but the spectacle, the spectacle is all in the questions. And so I'm curious what your latest favorite question that you've encountered has been and why. Oh, okay. Here's one. Yeah. That I'm finding super interesting. Yeah. That there's the, there's the like sort of age old, what is the point of this? What are we doing here? What's it all mean? Sort of question. Like your basic, as my son would say, we were all a sophomore once. You know, and he's like, I was a sophomore <laughs> once. Meaning the sort of, you know, cosmic, you know, what are we doing here? Yeah. But what's this all mean? Or the sort of, sort of altered state, surreal, what, what I've, but what I'm noticing about that question is how it's actually like a spiral that you return to throughout mm -hmm. your life. And it's because you're like tuned in even more to this, the game we're playing, this playing field. And so I was thinking like that the disorientation of, what does it, any of it even mean is simply because there was a bunch of things where you got your meaning from, but even those huh. that were once aspirations and intentions 
like I'd like to be a force for light and good. I'd like to make good art. I'd like to, that gives me meaning. But you become, and that's beautiful, but then as you, those become like not just things you're trying to be and do and experience, but you become to experience in them, then the you see that the meaning structure was just some stuff in your head. You know what I mean? Kind of like the chairs. It's like you play that out. It's like you play it out. Yeah, you play it out. <laughs> yeah. And part of playing it out is this, like the thing that I always wanted, I got. Mm. And there's like this existential thud of, well, now what? Existential um, thud. Yes. You know what I mean? That yes. feeling when like, and so now you're, well, that that sense of sort of after afterwards, and this is a deep can have a spiritual sense of void, the abyss, the dark night of the soul, the disorientation of I don't I don't know what anything, uh, and it's not because you are stuck; it's because you actually played something out. The thing that you were, you guys set some intentions and you actually, they happened. You manifest it, however you want to say it. Yeah. Now what? And the now what is actually all part of it. And it's not because you took a wrong turn or because you're lost. It's because it's how it actually works. Mm -hmm. It keeps reminding you that ultimately this isn't a mind game you're playing. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's almost like you're going from what does all of this mean to how am I going to create meaning? Or how right. do you, like, or like questioning how do I create meaning? Right, so the person who says, nah, what the, what, I'm so, like, what does this even mean? I'm so, like, swirling, everything's upside down. There's a part of that that may want to be like, oh, no, look at the sunsets. Look at your lovely life. Look at your family, friends, lover, partner, your dog, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like you would immediately want to like help relieve that person's what is this anyway? Do you know what I mean? What yeah. does this even mean? Like yeah. you want to give them a whole list as opposed to, yeah, I know. That's a feeling, isn't it? Mm. As opposed to like trying to relieve them or you of that. You have to like fall it all the way down. Wow. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> Think of how many times someone's like, I feel lost. And someone's like, your instant impulse is to help them get found instead of, yeah, that's a, that's a universal human feeling. Mm -hmm. Probably, you probably are letting go of something that's asking you to let go of it. And it's making you feel very lost. But it's probably something that's time to let go of. Wow. So... Yeah, that's a fun. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's so great talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. And I, this was just delightful. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I assume that, uh, you know, we'll meet up down the road somewhere, maybe at a gem show. <laughs>